0: Hey and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner and thank you so much for being here. Today we're going to try something new, which is an episode dedicated to one specific topic. I wanted to do an episode that involved multiple perspectives, so we had a vote on Twitter for the topic and a Google Doc to write in your responses once we chose the topic. If you like how this episode turns out, I plan on doing these during the first week of each month with the help from you guys, and this will take the place of the regular Thursday episode for the week. Let's jump into the show. So today's show is about batting practice and how we can make that hour or so the best use of our time and not a colossal waste of time. Well, let me start off by plugging a resource that all of you guys need to download, and that's Evernote. Evernote is a free app, and there's a pro version as well, but the free app will allow you to take notes on two different devices and they'll sync up. And I've got notes from about five or six years ago that I consistently go back to And anytime I'm listening to a podcast, anytime I'm looking something up on Twitter, anytime I find something in a book or an article that I think is really good, you can title any and every single one of your tabs and you can also, you know, write in and do whatever and it'll link up to the computer. It's been an awesome resource and it's just been one of my favorite and especially free resources that I've ever used and I I use it daily. So make sure you guys go check that out. I know you guys are really into resources, and that's something that's made my life a whole lot easier. So I'm going to start off the episode with just a lot of information for you guys. I'm not going to try and say whether this way is right or this way is wrong. Uh, You guys can choose that on your own, but I wanted to give you guys a lot of different options to work from. And so I was a hitting guy at Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I just started realizing how much time we spend on batting practice every single day. And it's probably upwards to 45 minutes to an hour. And so, we started counting swings and we started just noticing different trends of how some of our players were great batting practice guys and then it just did never translate over in the game. And so, we started counting swings and for an hour of batting practice, you know, you've got five swings per round five rounds and then you've got a bunt station or you may go hit off a machine and you may get 50 swings in an hour. Well, if you're looking for the most bang for your buck, that's really not a great opportunity or option. So this is also about the time that Twitter is, you know, hitting Twitter is starting. And so I started following a guy named Pete Lorenzen. And at the time it was just success leaves clues. And I had no idea who this guy was. He's now one of the hitting guys for uh, the Cleveland Indians minor league system. And he sent out this BP formula. And what it was is he was he was figuring out perceived velocity and how hard you would have to throw from a certain distance to help the players perceive the velocity that you wanted them to see. So I'm going to share that with this formula with you guys. And also, I'm sure you guys are already familiar with it. But those of you who aren't, It is you take 60.5 times your miles per hour thrown. So we would literally get up and we would throw, you know, a regular BP throw with a radar gun and see how hard we were throwing. So you take 60.5 times whatever you threw. So let's say 50 miles an hour just to make it easy. And that equals a number. So the number with 60.5 and 50 is 3,025. So then you take 3,025 and divide it by the velocity you want seen. So say typical high school pitcher, 85 miles an hour. So you take 3,025 and divide it by 85 and you get 35.5 feet. So then what we started to do and what we do at Reedy a lot of times with Coach Cox who runs the hitting stuff now is you'll set up your BP from 35.5 feet and you would throw it exactly how you would the rest of the time. So exactly how you would except you're, you're now there, it's a shorter distance and now you know that. Perceived velocity is equal to what you're trying to see in a game, rather than just you know 50 mile an hour cupcakes from 50 feet, which would I don't even know what that would equal, but it would be a whole lot less than the 85 that they're going to see in a game. Another thing we love to do is mix BP, which is mixing in off speed pitches, curveballs, change ups, and whether or not they're very good is besides the point. But they're at least seeing a different spin, and I'll get into some stations here in a little while that that I really liked. And we can talk about that a little bit, but uh, essentially, instead of just throwing a fastball every single time, so they're seeing your 85 mile an hour perceived fastball from 30 feet away, and now you're mixing in curveballs, and so it trains them like it would in a game. And I think that's something that we need to do more of, which is really they're not gonna like it. They're gonna fail, and that's okay. That's the environment that we need to set up, and we need to be okay with them failing because we need to train, and I know that, that you guys have heard of this before. And this was a a great quote on the podcast, but we need to train jungle tigers and not zoo tigers. We need to make them uncomfortable. We need to make them work. We need to get them out of their comfort zone and we need to make them get after it. So another thing we tried to figure out this fall is what your typical BP setup is with an angle box. Most people throw from an angle box and we were trying to figure out whether or not that was giving us, you know, the most what it would look like in a game. And so went down this huge rabbit hole of release points, and you know at at thirty feet, where is the ball supposed to be? And just trust me, if you're standing on a mat, you're high enough as it is, you're still going to get that downhill angle, that downhill plane that you're looking for and so we we all we use is a mat now, so a mat and a nail screen. Another thing to really think about is offset BP. I know there's a lot of great research out there over setting up you know bP uh, offset just to try and uh, replicate release points from pitchers from the left side or the right side. And I know that Driveline does that with Jason Ochart. And I will uh, link those down in the show notes. That's up to think about, especially if if we're using a machine, which great tool, just think about offsetting it one way way or another. And I think that that's that's a great idea. I I know most, at least as far as I did, whenever I was growing up, we'd set it right on top of the mound, but giving our kids our most realistic shot. And especially if we're trying to do the extreme angles, then I think that that's a really, a really good tool as well. So let's get into stations a little bit before we read some user submissions. So some stations that I really like. I mean, everybody does stations uh, as far as your BP goes, but how can we make it measurable? How can we make it to where the kids are competing for something every single day or they're noticing their progress trends over time? So a couple of stations that I really like. I mentioned the mixed BP earlier is, you know, something like hit four seam and then take a two seam. So if you can see the different pitch, you see a funky spin, then you take it. And if you didn't, then you get out of the cage or something like that. Or you hit the, hit the four seam, hit the fastball, uh, take a curveball. Or another one is, you know, use it as a drag station. All Ob- Obviously don't want to give up outs. And so, this is a great way to work on our drag bunt. Drag can be a weapon. I mean, sacrifice, we're giving up an out to move a runner, but drag can, is obvious. We're trying to get a hit. And so, use that. And for the guys that, you know, can't hit the ball out of the bar- ballpark and, and really love it, I know I was a guy who loved to drag bunt. And I would really do it once a game just because I had a really good chance of getting on because I could run a little bit. So, we don't want to take that away. A uh, runner on third less than two, that's something that we can measure, something hit it hit it to the outfield. I know we always gripe about that situation, but are we measuring it in practice? Another thing to think about too is two oh three one counts. I mean, how mad do we get whenever they swing in a ball outside of their zone or they foul and this is my personal pet peeve they foul a ball off over the opposite side dugout on a fastball. It drives me crazy. But how often are we saying, Where is your pitch? Show me and then if they sw- if they swing at a ball outside of that zone or at least a really good pitch, then they either lose a point, deduct a point or they get a point for doing what they're supposed to. So how often are we measuring that and how often are you making them show you exactly where their two oh three one pitch is and how often do they know where it's at? So that's just something to think about. I know that especially with the young guys, whenever I was working with them, you'd say, where do you want it? And they would say, just right down the middle. Well, I mean, that's fine. But show me, show me where you want it and let's get in and around that zone, something that we can drive and really get after it from there. But make them think about it, make them think about where exactly that they want it. And so we take that excuse away of, well, coach, I didn't know. A couple of other challenges that I like is setting up cones in the middle of the field or, you know, in the gaps and seeing how many groups can hit into those gaps and then you you can write it on the chart. Put it on the turtle, and every time that they hit one in it, they come by and make a mark, and then they move on. I really like that one. Uh, hard hit balls, uh, and something that Dan Heefner does is over your average exit velo, and they're trying to stay over it. And so every ball they hit at it or over their average exit velo, then they get a point. And that does, you know, a couple of different things that one, they have to get a good pitch to hit, so they're getting the pitches that they can drive. And then two again, it's it's making it competitive and it's making every swing count. Uh, overload and underload batting practice is a good one, just for proprioceptive feel and training. And no, it doesn't mess them up. Yes, it makes their brain make some different decisions because the bat is heavier or lighter. But it's really good. And the kids, it's a challenge. Again, we're trying to train uh, jungle tigers. I know you guys. I used that expression earlier, but it's good. The kids are like that. And then win this pitch to end the round. So you're in a tough situation. You've got one pitch to win a game, win this pitch to end the round. And it could be something that you literally get every single one of the guys around home plate and you say, you've got to hit this pitch to win the round. Or, you've got to hit this pitch to win the game. You've got one pitch. Whoever hits this pitch the furthest, whoever hits it on the line the hardest or whatever, choose your guys. This is what's going down. So it puts pr- some pressure on them. And it's, that's a really fun way to end batting practice every now and then. I know something that Tyler Gillum also mentioned on the podcast several months ago that he was going to have them do some sort of cardio training and to get their breath rate down. We've done that with burpee bullpens, but again, this is batting practice. So something that to where they're having to get their heart rate up and then they're having to get their heart rate back down. So I think that that's a really good uh, idea. But again, something that you can measure, have them write it down, have somebody take it. If you don't have people that think then they can take it themselves you've got to measure it if you want some improvement. And I think that something as simple as having a, a clipboard attached to a turtle and as soon as they get done, they write how many how many they hit inside the cones or, or whatever you're trying to do, how many successful rounds you could even tell them. You could tell them, hey, you got three out of four, you got zero out of five. So I think that's a really good way to make batting practice measurable and meaningful. And that way you're not, you know, we're just wasting your time with mindless swings. You're actually making them think about what situation that they're in, and what they're trying to accomplish with each swing. So switching gears a little bit, I know that this topic has come up several times in our podcast, and I, I can't tell you enough of how much it is a is a career changer as far as swing development goes, and that's the use of PVC pipes. So again, at Union, I'm tr- trying to maximize our time so we would have a live station to where they're hitting live uh, off a, off a guy that's throwing. And then they would turn around and there would be another station. They'd be in groups of three to five, and there'd be another station and be just a PVC pipe station. You can set this up in different batting cages, or you can set this up to where they're hitting live, they have a release station, they have a PVC pipe station to where they're working on some specific swing technique that you're trying to teach them. And, you know, I found in my career that the easiest way to get people out of their comfort zone and to get them to change their swing habits is, is getting a different implement in their hands. And so PVC pipe is cheap. It's a great way to do it. I know there's a ton of drills on hitting Twitter about PVC pipe usage and it, just go on there and check it out. There's, there's a ton of great stuff on there. So, uh, but, but don't undersell the use of $5 worth of PVC pipes. I think you're going to see a huge difference. So another great aspect that I have found and, and I had to look in Evernote because we haven't used this in a while, but I love the idea. And that's the Seconds app. And it's an interval timer. And so I got this idea from Alan McDougal at Colleyville Heritage, who, extremely good coach. And so I stole this from him several years ago. But I asked him this last week if I could use it on the show. And he actually wrote in, you know, what they do. So he said that their rounds are eight minutes long with a 30-second rotation time. So they'll have an eight-minute timer with 30 seconds in between and it'll tell them over the loudspeakers, and you can set it up with this timer, whether there's a minute left, whether there's two minutes left, whether they're halfway. You can play music behind it, which is really good. And he said they usually get the controlled portion, which they chart, and they have about one-minute rounds of three in which he releases them to swing away. He said it's been great for them. This all goes while a playlist of player-selected songs is playing over the stadium. And I love that idea. I think that's something that we can all take away. In the second app, I think it's five bucks or something really cheap. But how often do we as coaches stay on time? And so depending on your coaching style if and you're extremely organized, then this is a great thing to set up with your program. I, th- I think it's a fantastic idea. So another example that I stole several years ago that I stored in Evernote and I had to go back and look on what they did was Notre Dame batting practice. So Brian Kane did a Periscope with Notre Dame several years ago. I think he still works with them to today and he videoed their batting practice on what they did. And so I wanted to share that with you guys. They're in the cage and they measure execution or quality of contact. And then after their round is over, their next station so they'll go out on the right side of their station, they'll release and refocus, so you're deep breathing, you're clear it, get rid of it, let's move on. The next station, they would move behind the turtle where they would have a machine set up right behind in in between the backstop and the turtle. And so they would have a quality bunting stations and they would measure it. So they'd have cones set up. So they're, they've are they got a feeder on the machine and he is uh, feeding them balls to bunt and to try to get between cones. And so they'd measure how many they get. The next station would be the on-deck routine. So they would go through their on-deck routine, whatever that is. And, and you can video all of this so you can go over it. And again, anything that's measured can be improved. So you're going over your station one in the cage, station two release refocus, station three behind the turtle quality bunting station, station four on deck routine, and you're videoing all of this so you can go over it on a, at a later date if you need to. And again, video doesn't lie. And so I love that. I really like that, that that setup there, and, and I think that that's a great idea. So a couple of years ago, I, I said on the podcast I went and watched Vanderbilt play and one thing I noticed about their their BP setup, and it wasn't much different than anybody else, but one thing that they did that I loved, uh, and I started doing this either after our bullpens with our catchers, or if we do tandem bullpens where one guy throws 25 pitches and another guy, and, and then he rests while another guy comes in, is they nuck after every guy hits. So a guy would hit in the cage, and the next guy couldn't come into the cage, or he couldn't leave the cage until he... Uh, Bumped fists or tagged the other guy in, and so there's a ton of research out there who about you know NBA teams and the power of touching. The winningest NBA teams touch the most, and so I think that that's something that doesn't take long to implement, but I think that that could have a huge impact. I think as far as team building goes, and I know that's something that we all want to build the culture, we all want to get better, and I think I love that idea of you knock the guy in before you move on to the next station. And another thing that they did, and I just remember this, I forgot to write it down in the show notes, but they all got together before each station and then they dispersed. And so they got together and they all gave high fives. And then again, they moved. So I think Coach Corbin, I'd love to get him on the show. So if any of you guys know him, make sure you put in a plug and we'll we'll take care of that. I'd love to get him on. But they get together and they either high five, they nuck, or they fist bump or whatever. And they move on to the next station. So I think that's really something that they try to do a lot of. And it's something that I, that I noticed. And so it was something that was really a staple in their program and, and something that I, I love to implement. And I think that that's a great idea. If you want to go back and listen to some great episodes and some other resources that I use or have written down in the past, I know Cody Atkinson and his episode several months ago was unbelievable of what they're doing at UTRGV. Westbrook's episode, he talks about Montgomery batting practice, and they, they literally measure everything. The Craig Hyatt episode, he goes into, into some detail, and he also wrote in today, so you'll get to hear a little bit of that. Dan Heefner and his ABCA talks, I mean, he's unbelievable. He's one of the best hitting minds in the country, and so if you, haven't, if you don't know about Coach Heefner and if you haven't watched both of his ABCAs, those are fantastic. Nino Giartano at San Francisco has a really good one in 2009 called Efficient and Effective Batting Practice. That's really good. And again, I mentioned earlier Offset BP with Jason Ochert and Coach Rodriguez did a video a couple of weeks ago on Twitter that those are pretty good. And I'll link those down in the show notes. So let's get into the user submitted responses. So our first response is from Aaron Unish at the Diamond Baseball Club. And again, the question was, what does your BP setup look like? And so Aaron wrote in that this is for a 13U select baseball team. They have 12 coach or 12 players and three coaches. He said, we typically do four groups of three rotating through four stations at 12 minutes each. So they've got live BP on the field at station one, live defense, which live reads the ball off the bat. At station two, at station three, they have front flips and a cage with one coach. And on station four, T in the cage or a bunt station. So thank you, Aaron, for writing in. I appreciate that. Our next submission is from Cody Brassfield, and Cody said that they have groups of two every round, and a point system works off three, two, one, and minus one. Three is an A+, very best swing. Two is good contact, but not best. One is a poor swing, and a negative one is a swing and a miss or a lack of execution of the round that they're trying to accomplish. So the rotation works through tunnel swings, stand in for the bullpen, and then live on the field. Rounds for live BP vary from day to day, and he said lately we've enjoyed getting closer and throwing with velo, and then followed up with the next round of mix. Mix is five swings, and we have them keep a short swing and hit fastball change curve. Usually go five rounds of five. Velo mix, velo, mix, velo. And he said when they stand in for bullpens, they have to recognize pitch type and call it out before it hits the mitt. Or they will just have them say ball as soon as they say spin, not necessarily ball or strike. They're just calling ball when they see the ball. And again, Cody, thanks for writing in. Our next submission came from Barry Rose, who is a Crosstown rival for us over at Wakeland High School and coming off a state tournament appearance in 2017. He does a great job over there. And he said they have four groups, four rounds. Group one is in the roll away on the field. Group two is in a right field cage on a machine, velo same as the next opponent, pitcher. And T groups, groups of four. The other two groups are on defense. And the infielders are taking fungo on both sides from the POs. The rounds included, the first round is two sacks, five oppo. Second round is push and drag, five ahead in the count. Third is slash, hit and run, five two strike. And then fourth round is five, you're ahead and swing away. So thank you, Barry, for writing in. really appreciate that. Our next submission came from Rick Weaver, friend of the podcast. I had Tom held on, and, and Rick is, is Tom's right-hand man, and they do a great job over at Defiance High School in Ohio. And he said, we have two types of BP. The first is when we hit in our facility. We have six cages. Each cage, we try to work on something different and incorporate drive lines, overload and underload swing program. A sample day would have eight stations. One, bat swings, so heavy bat, fungal bat, regular bat. Two, hit tracks with home plate pitching machine. Work on live at-bats with programmed pitches. Three is curveballs with a hack attack using a heavy bat. Four is live BP with a hitting jacket and regular coach, or regular bat, coach's throwing. Five is front toss with a heavy bat and a regular bat and hit regular balls and weighted balls. And six, tee with softballs and weighted bat. Hit the length of the tunnel. And then seven... T with tennis balls and a fungo bat hitting the length of the tunnel, eight is band work. He said, "When we finish, what we call the eighty game, so we split the team into two teams, and each player gets four swings. You get one point for an exit velo over eighty, two points for an exit velo over ninety, and four points for an exit velo over one hundred. And if you do that and hit a live drive off of the back, double your points. The losing team has to run. I love that. It's awesome. The second type of BP." we do is on the field. When we do this we call it two position and we have two guys at each position play every ball live. The BP part will have the traditional situations in defense has to play it live. For example, if we say there's a guy on first, every ground ball in the infield is working on turning two, and if a ball is hit to the outfield, the outfield has to play it live and hit the proper cut. The last swing for each guy is live and they keep it keep running until they get into a rundown and that's how we incorporate rundowns into practice. I love that. Thanks for writing in, Rick. That's a fantastic job, and I think you guys do an awesome job up there, so thank you for sharing. The next write-in comes from a person that you guys all follow, Craig Hyatt. Best follow on Twitter for hitting stuff, in my opinion. But he wrote in and said, They have 14 varsity guys on a normal hitting day. They have one 3-5 to five minute PVC pipe station, 3 feet, 1 inch, 1-2 to two arms drills, constraint moves, walking line rhythm moves, two, they have 10-minute t drills, half-cage front toss drills, three, three group-filled group hitting circuits for 45 minutes on a field together, and they will either get a curveball or fastball machine, front angle toss integration to that, and regular BP rounds. The on-deck batter will have t hitting or soft toss weighted balls or swing and track with a five-foot PVC pipe. They may use overload and underload bat variations with this also. They just hit, no situational hitting, rounds of six to eight swings for coach thrown BP. Cage group will do their individual drills and shag group. If we do the curveball machine on the drill, we will always do a hard front toss in from an angle alternating with machine. If we do the fastball machine, we will do soft angle toss away. If we know what we are facing, we will try and simulate that. In the first eight days of our season, we went through about 30 different drills, each player has picked what is the most useful to them, and then they have their own routine. And we try to balance doing what they need, what they want, something new, and something really hard. Absolutely love that. That's awesome. Thank you, Craig, for writing in. So next up, we have Garrett Cox, and Garrett wrote in and said, We have stations with two 35-foot cages and three soft toss and T stations. We have some sort of on-field BP while groups are hitting in those stations and live fielding on the field as well. We mix up types of the on-field drills that we use. We also add in base running off of hit balls in play. Runners act like there are less than two outs on every hit, or we might have a hit-and-run period where the hitter practices finding the ball off of the bat while the hitter focuses on hitting uh, a hit-and-run. I like groups of three, have one runner, one resting, and the third hits. A few weeks ago, I tried playing cards mixed up in the BP. Called it Texas Hold'em like the poker game. First round, they got three cuts the flop in the poker game. Second, they drew a card from a stack and that only contained two to five cards of all suits. And this was their second round reps, the turn in the poker game. And then there was the river card for the third round. The kids enjoyed the suspense of not knowing how many rounds they were going to hit, but didn't like it if they drew a two. We've done rounds where each hit and run you have, you run around every base before the defense can throw it around to make it it to home plate. We call that beat the ball. We played money ball where you get four cuts and the last cut is the money ball that you get an extra base hit and some points for your team based on what base that you reach. We also developed a game we call we dubbed Power Raid Alley, where we set up cones in left center field and right center field gaps. And if a ball reaches one of those gaps in the air before it touches the grass, before a defender touches it, it counts as two points. One point for a ball caught in the gap and alley and three points for a ball in the gap and alley that touches the fence and five points if you hit a home run in the gap and alley. We do rounds of five, three, and one, and the last swing worth worth double points, and you earn points for the swings for your team, and the winning S group gets a power aid after practice. Love it. That's awesome. Fantastic idea. Our next write-in comes from Trey Cobb, and he said, it depends on the day, the need, and the focus. Yesterday's BP, we needed to work on hit and run and reading reading it from the bases, as well as working on Uh, two strikes with a runner in scoring position and driving runners in. So we had three rounds and base runners at first for the first round, second for second round, and third for third round. And they executed at least 12 swings of the 15 they got a fourth round. Fight for the fourth at bat is what they called it, to see how many consecutive line drives they could hit. For defense, we put 20 runs on the visitors and the guests for 20 plays on the infield and the outfield. We put 10 innings up for 10 double plays that needed to be made, And all the balls and strikes and outs were on. And every time that they made a web gym, gym they would take off a light. Whatever was left that we would run. So we ran one triangle for being one web gym short, but got a lot done in 45 minutes. I love that. And that's a great way to incorporate some competition into defense. And I think that that's a fantastic idea. I may be stealing several of these in case you guys were wondering, but I love that. I think that's great. So our last submission comes from Frank Duran. Thanks for writing in, Frank. And he said, depending on focus of the day, but here's an early season day before games start. Four groups of three stations plus shagging. He said, we don't stand around. We read balls off the bat into the outfield and we always have a coach or pitcher fungo to infield at short every third. After stretching and 15 minutes of free time for PVC fields and individual work, we'll start. All stations are timed with with having some specific rep and swing number. Station one, we have T-work and... Fire pause drill, working on fill of the ground prior to upper body exploding for 20 minutes. Station two is plyo balls, front flips with heavy and light bats. Heavy bat, pull everything, light bats, oppo. Three swings at each bat times three rounds alternatives after three. Points for barrel. Balls don't lie. 20 minutes. Yeah, no kidding. Plyo balls don't lie. That's great. Station three, wood bats on the field, line drive or you're out, working on barrel control and pitch selection at the same time. Swinging in a good pitch and hit it hard max swings five per round times as many rounds as we can get in 20 minutes usually groups of four to five max and then he said final round is usually competitive early in the year i like to see barrel control so we go for three swings oppo hard three hard ground balls three intense swings and one point for each success and two points for dingers on intense sw- swings winning group doesn't clean man you guys at Road in did a fantastic job You guys are making a great use of your time. I think that everyone that wrote in did their batting practice a little different, but it was all scripted. It had a purpose with each swing. And so before you go, I have a couple of reflection questions for you. What are you taking away and using from today's show? What are you doing, BP, that's different from today's show? And also, did you like this type of show? I'd love to hear that as well. Either let me know at AOTC underscore podcast on Twitter, or email me at jgelner7 at gmail.com. So with this type of show, I'm leaning on our listeners for content and interaction, so don't be afraid to write in. Don't be so naive to think that there's not something that you guys do that can't help another coach. And if you'd like to stay up to date with the mini clinics and know the upcoming topic and potentially be a part of it, sign up below using the mini clinic Monday sign up link and I will email out the new content and what the upcoming mini clinic Monday topic will be. There will also be a Google link involved. And so you guys can click on that and just fill out your answers. It shouldn't take very long. Again, I promise that there's something that you can do that can help other coaches. So other than that, have a great week.